God bless you. It's good to see you on a Sunday morning. And uh, I don't know if my body clock's saying it's Sunday morning or Monday morning, uh, but I'm, I'm trying to catch up. And uh, I'm believing for a day of just being transported places where you can avoid jet lag. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I've come to you this morning with a Holy Ghost hangover. Uh, and uh, isn't that great? In, in the world, you get hangovers, but really in the spirit, you get carryovers. Uh, and so I've just been in this, this season. I see she's got it too. It's great. Uh, and um, I've just been in this season of just basking in the presence of God. And what you discover is that you can run and not get tired. You can run and you can rest at the same time. And I believe that this is a season of refreshing where the Lord is acclimating us to higher heights and greater glory. How many know we weren't supposed to live from meeting to meeting or Sunday to Sunday? We're supposed to be living faith to faith and glory to glory. And what I believe is that the Lord is just removing the ceiling. He's removing every limitation that we uh, place on Him. Every even earthly confinement that, uh, that just a part of life. I just saw the Lord just shattering boxes today. And I really believe that we're stepping into a season uh, of time in, in the Spirit that God is really accelerating us like never before. Uh, and I feel like some of you in the room today, God wants to just make up for lost time. Some of you are about to encounter Jesus, the Redeemer, right now. The, the Redeemer of the time. Some of you right now, seven years are being made up in this year. In the last three months of this year, you're going to make up for seven years. Some of you have been like in a seven-year holding pattern. It's exciting. <coughs> you know, it was funny on the, well, it wasn't very funny on the way there, but but as I was flying to Australia a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're, we're flying through the night and you know, we're supposed to be landing in Melbourne at 725 direct from L.A. Uh, and as we're flying there, uh, we're coming in for what I thought was a landing about 6 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and they get on there and say, you know, we've had some unexpected wor- uh, 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 headwinds and there's some weather in Melbourne and... So as much as we'd like to take you to Melbourne, we're taking you to Sydney first. And uh, when you've been on an airplane for 14 hours, you really don't want a delay. You really don't want, right? And what's happened is the headwinds uh, it, it were just holding us back. And so you finally, you know, we landed Sydney, and finally three hours later after sitting on the plane, we, we made it to Melbourne. I don't know about you, I just don't like delays. Right? I, I don't do very good with d- things being delayed. Right? I kind of know what I want. I kind of know what God wants for my life, and I would prefer to have it right now. Right? I, I don't like now and later. They break my teeth. Right? I, I, want, some, right? I want it right now because he's a right here, right now God. But what, and the unusual thing that happened now, I ended up on a flight. I had to go back from Melbourne to Sydney, but there was a direct flight from Sydney to Dallas. It's actually the longest flight in the world right now. And, um, and we, it was supposed to take 16 hours, but we caught a tailwind. And so instead of arriving in 16 hours, we arrived in 14 hours and 15 minutes. Now, a whole lot better than my first ride. Why? Because that very thing that was once oppressing me, holding me back, now shifted and is now propelling me. And this is the season where everything that's been holding you back is actually about to shift 
Those things that were actually trying to contain you are actually those things that are about to launch you. Those things that you thought were your enemies are actually your ushers carrying you into a deeper realm of the presence of God. Those things that seem like they were delays are actually now the very thing, the very point of your acceleration. And what I believe as I was coming into Dallas this morning uh, is that God is about to release an acceleration on this city like never before. Now, if you're in this city, he's talking to you. If you're in the Dallas Metroplex, he's talking to you. Because he's not just accelerating a city, he's accelerating a people. But, but here's, uh, listen, I, I know this culture. I, I live in the South. I was a northern boy where if you weren't 15 minutes early, you were late. And all of a sudden, I moved to the South, and everybody was going slow. And so church was supposed to start at 10, and it was 10-ish. And eventually, we had to realize as a leadership team, we got to start on time because the longer we keep delaying, the longer the people are taking getting in. We actually call it Jubilee time where I live. Right? It's just kind of everybody just kind of wanders in. And, and listen, you take this or, or leave it. But here's what I feel. Sometimes if we're late in the natural, we'll be late in the spirit. And what I believe is the Lord is saying over you is that timing is everything. Timing is everything. Preparation belongs to me, but timing belongs to the Lord. And what I believe is that there's this acceleration where I, I believe that we are on a collision course with destiny. And there's an awakening that's getting ready to happen in the land, but I, I believe that God is ready to pour out like never before in Dallas, that God has Dallas in, its, in His bullseye. That, that I believe that this is a season where you have been anointed to terrorize the enemy. That there is a sound, there is a wind, there is a release that God wants to release out of this region. I kind of dozed off on the plane and when we were coming in for a landing, I looked out and there are all of these clouds everywhere. And it was kind of like this blanket that was covering the Metroplex. Uh, all aboard. Uh, and uh, See, I do this so I just work with anything right now. Pretty soon, next phone call comes off. I'm going to tell you that it's your mom, and the pot, you know the pot roast is going to be at 1:30 instead of 12. So you're all right on time. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm prophetic. I'm just not that good. <laughs> Some of you are like, really? He, he knows my mom. No. Uh, uh, and but as I was coming in and I was watching, and all of a sudden there was this clearing that took place. And sometimes when you're up there, you know you can actually see the jet stream. You, you can actually see what's happening. You, you can just tell by the way the clouds are moving. You, and here's what I felt like the Lord is saying over you today. He's releasing a steering current anointing upon you. He's releasing a Holy Spirit jet stream in this place. To, to begin, you know what a jet stream does? It, it begins to direct the, the weather patterns. And here's what I, I felt like the Lord said. It is over this city. It is over this house this morning. It's a high-pressure system. It's a season of high pressure. Now, most of us don't like pressure, but if you'll understand that His presence is always worth the pressure. If you'll understand that when there's a high-pressure system, it begins to clear everything out. Low pressure comes and storms come. High pressure comes and clarity comes. 
And God wants to release the anointing like a Holy Spirit barometer, like a Holy, Holy Spirit pressure system over this place that's going to begin to clear the air. What I, I heard the Lord say as I was getting ready, as I was coming in for a, a landing, the Lord says, I'm clearing the air over Dallas. I said it to Tracy in the office this morning. If you want to know what God is up to, look at what the devil's trying to do. I don't know about you, but I mean, just turn on Fox, CNN, open up the, your internet browser, and you're going to see Ebola and this nurse and this person. And Can I tell you something? It tells me that the enemy is very afraid of this city. Here's what I believe. It's a season of counterattack. It's not a season of fear. It's a season of faith. Really what it's revealing to me is there is a healing anointing, a healing revival getting ready to come to the Dallas Metroplex. Come on, there is the Son of Righteousness is rising with healing in His wings. And I believe right now that I'm telling you there is a healing revival that is coming. In fact, I would dare to say to you it's not coming, it's here. There are healing waves. There, there is a healing harvest. There's a healing of hope. There's a, there's a healing wave that's coming like never before. And God wants to make history. He, he wants to make you a part of one of the greatest moves of God the earth has ever seen. And it's important in this time and season that you would be like the sons of Iskar, that you would know your time and your season in the earth. I felt like the Lord told me this morning that He's taking me to a deep well. I'm thankful because this is not a place of Barney prophecies. I love you, you love me, another Barney prophecy. Right? It's the I'm okay, you're okay prophecy. But, but can I tell you something? That's all right. You know, it's all right when you first start out, you cast out a little Smurf demon before you get a real one, right? You give a Barney prophecy before you give a real one, and it's called practice. It's good for you. But, but there comes a place of maturity. And what I feel like God is doing is He's releasing a deep well of maturity in this place. Because there are going to be miracles that God's going to put in your mouth that's going to begin to change the destiny of cities. It's going to begin to change the destiny of nations like never before. That this region in itself has become a melting pot. I believe that this place is about to just boom like never before. God is releasing the infrastructure for the growth. And here's the Lord spoke to me. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. Highways being built. God is making this place to be a, a, a highway of holiness. Come on, I-35 and 20. It's got highways of holiness. Come on, you're going to see a shifting of things. Crime rates decreasing. Graduations increasing. Addictions decreasing. Freedom increasing. Come on, there are waves of it just crashing through, just breaking through like never before. And, and there's a deep well. I don't know about you, I'd rather drink from a deep well than a wide well any day. Anybody grow up on the farm? You know, a deep well is cold and it's refreshing and it's clean. 
a wide well, you might get some, well, you might get some other stuff in there. Right? And many of us, listen, it's time to take the floaties off and dive in the well. And really what I believe, it's going to be a season, you're going to have to acclimate to a new level because God's taking you in over your head. There is a complete submerging. What you thought was right side up is actually becoming upside down. It's a season of shifting. It's a season of alignment. And there is a divine alignment that God is bringing us into for the assignments of God on our life. I believe that God is releasing an awakening in Dallas. Here's what I feel in the 2016 election cycle. Hope is coming out of Texas. God is about to release hope out of Texas. I believe there's, there's getting ready to, to really believe that this is going to be a season of di- divine destiny in Dallas. I wish I could prophesy a, a cowboy su- you know, Super Bowl. Uh, uh, I, I, I feel your pain. I'm a Chicago Bear fan. Even worse, I'm a Chicago Cub fan. And the last thing Jesus said before he ascended to heaven to the Chicago Cubs was, don't do anything until I get back. How many know they've been, they've been both faithful and obedient to the promise? Some of you are laughing because you know the uh, record of the Rangers this year. Uh, and... Um, well, I'm not going to mess with sports because we're still doing offerings here. So, <laughs> so anywho, on my way to Australia, flying through Dallas, I got my first Dallas Cowboy t-shirt. I got a shirt with a little star on it. And uh, my son wasn't very happy when I came home wearing it, but he'll get over it. Uh, I really believe that this is a season where God is bringing us into divine alignment. How many know it's not enough just to hear the word of the Lord? I've got to align myself with it. Because every revelation requires a response. Every revelation requires a response. And here's the problem sometimes I feel with prophecy, especially in the realm of personal prophecy. I know going in that probably 90% or more of the prophetic words I give aren't going to come to pass. Not because I missed it, not because I'm a false prophet, not because I didn't hear God, not because I prophesied out of the flesh or the soul, but because most people won't do anything with what God revealed to them. And we become, listen, we, we become prophetic junkies. And I got to get me a prophetic word. Listen, work on the first word. I remember I was in a, in a church and I was stood in front of somebody and the Lord just said, tell him ditto. I said, the Lord says ditto. He don't need to tell you again. They didn't like it very much. But how many know that that is connected to the next thing? And until you do that, you're probably ain't going to get the next thing. Because it takes faith to receive and obedience to obtain. And we like the promise part, but we don't like the process part. I love the promises of God. Processes of God, not so much. I remember I got this prophetic word. I'm going to be a preacher, go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever I go, lives are touching change. I thought I was going to win the world in three years and Jesus was coming back. It started a process. 
The process was filled with warfare because Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says that after the illumination, you enter into the fight of affliction. So before you get illuminated, the devil leaves you alone because he can't find you. But all of a sudden, you get a prophetic word and God says, this is who I called you to be. This is what I've made you to do. And all of a sudden, you get a bullseye. You get a target. And you find yourself under attack. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And this is the season of counterattack. I have a friend, he's, a, he's a, an apostle, and I don't say it lightly. He's in Kenya. His name is Mike Brown, and, and Mike is this radical guy. And uh, he was, was saved in, uh, on the streets of, of Nairobi. And just a wild, wild kid. He was, his, his father was a Muslim imam, uh, and uh, his mom took him to a crusade, and he gave his life to the Lord. His brother gave his life to the Lord. His mother gave his life, her life to the Lord. They got home. The father had already heard about it and took the head off of the mother in front of the boys and said, this is what will happen to you if you convert to Christianity. So the two boys, knowing that they prayed the prayer, took off running, and they lived on the streets, and they did what survivors do. They stole to eat. They stole a little bit of bread. And, and one day, as teenagers, him and his brother got caught, and so they were... They were beating them up because it's just mob justice. <clears throat> and Mike broke away and went to get some help. By the time they got back with a policeman, Mike got back with a policeman. His brother was in a pool of blood. And uh, the cop pulls out his gun and says, what a waste of human life, and just shoots his brother in the head. And uh, instead of helping him, he just kills him. And Mike made this inner vow, which he shouldn't have made, but he makes this vow. If I ever have the chance and I see this cop again, I'm going to kill him. I will kill him. I'm going to get revenge. Mike uh, runs, stays running from God for a while. All of a sudden, this guy from England is evangelizing on the streets and gives him some clothes and some food and, and ministers to him. Mike gives his life to the Lord. Three years later, Mike is a, a pastor. And while he's in his office and doing some things, this girl comes in and says, my father needs a surgery. And if he doesn't get the surgery, he's going to die. And Mike was just given this Land Rover, this Range Rover, expensive vehicle. And um, it was given to him free, and that's the only thing he had of value. And he sells it for less than what it's worth because he needed, because you, you have to pay first to get your operation there. So he sells his vehicle. He goes to the hospital. He brings the money. And he looks at the guy laying in the bed, and it's the cop that shot his brother. And he's got a choice to make because basically his life's in his hands. He opts not to say anything, but he gives the money to the daughter. They pay for the surgery. He sees the guy afterwards. And he goes up to him and says, do you remember me? And the guy was thinking, he's like, well, there was a time on the street, my brother was lying in a pool of blood. You, and the guy just starts crying. He says, I killed your brother. And he said, why did you pay for my surgery? You could have let me die. This was your moment for revenge. He said, if God can love me, God can love you. If God can forgive me, God can forgive you. And he leads the God of the Lord. That guy is now his associate pastor. Talk about forgiveness. Talk about radical. You know what Mike does a couple times a year? He gets in a coffin. He lays Bibles on the bottom of a coffin and lays on top of them. And they carry him in and out of Somalia. He sneaks Bibles into Somalia. Radical dude. And so I'm sitting with him at a, at a meeting and... He says, brother, do you know what I do with the prophetic word? <laughs> he 
He said, first, I listen to it. Tell the church in America, it's time to listen. I listen to it. I let it be written on my heart. And then I write it down. Because when the devil comes at me, the first thing I say is God said. And when he comes at me again, I say, it is written. <laughs> now, don't worry, I'm not going to do voice impersonations all day. But how many know he knows what to do with a prophetic word? He doesn't just say, okay, sirrah, sirrah, what will ever be, will be, will be. I had this word, I'm going to be a preacher, going to go around the world preaching the gospel, wherever I go, lives will be touched and changed. God spoke that word to me when I was six years old. I didn't know any better back then. I, I grew up in the much deformed church, I mean the Dutch reformed church. Uh, and um, <laughs> where everything was, that was fattening or fun was a sin. Thank God I've been delivered. Because I like feasting. Fasting, not so much. Right? And, and, and I didn't know any better. So I did what a normal Christian would do at six years old with a prophetic word about being a preacher. I lined my stuffed animals up, put a robe on because preachers wore robes, got a fake microphone. I was preaching the best message I ever preached till this morning. And some of you get that next Sunday. <laughs> and right about the time Teddy was about to lift his hand and get saved and G.I. Joe was about to respond to my healing line, get his arm put back on. And <laughs> Care Bear was about to get delivered from the rainbow thing. And it, it, <laughs> right? About to get, about to get delivered. I mean, a move of God with stuffed animals. And my mother and grandmother walked in and they said, David, what are you doing? I said, God spoke to me. And they got, their eyes got big as saucers. And they said, who spoke to you? I said, God spoke to me. They didn't get the memo that God was still allowed to speak. Our Trinity was Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. So they did the right thing. They took me to the pastor. And they said, you tell him what you told us. So I said, Pastor, God spoke to me. He turned red. He said, I'm going to be a preacher. Go around the world preaching the gospel. He turned purple. Wherever I go, lies we touch and change. Smoke started coming out of his ears. His carotid artery was exploding. And he shook this giant print King James 1611 Bible at me and said, boy, get it through your head. God doesn't speak today. He doesn't heal today. And anything you read in this book, I don't know if it ever happened, but it sure is not happening today. And he looked at my mother and he said, Jan, take him to the psychiatrist. Your son's crazy. I had an experience with God. You want to make people mad, have a dream when they don't have one. You want to make people mad, you have an experience with God when they don't have one. And I got robbed of my experience. And my mom did the right thing. She listened to the pastor. Took me to a psychiatrist at Chicago Christian Counseling Center. Sat before a counselor named Grover Davis. How many know that ain't going to end well when your name is Grover? <laughs> like you have two choices, psychiatrist... Or Sesame Street character. <clears throat> if your name's Grover, I'm sorry. You're amazing. You can be anything you want. See, they're coming right now. Grover's coming to give an off. No, I'm just kidding. And so he kind of examines me and 
talks to me and he said, yeah, you're, you're, Jan, uh, it's more than a hallucination because his dad died. This is, this is about schizophrenia. You're, your son's schizophrenic. All because I heard the voice of God. See, some of you, your whole life, you thought you were crazy, but you're just prophetic. You know what happened? Truth, divorce from experience will always leave you in the realm of doubt. I say it again. Truth, divorce from experience will always leave you in the realm of doubt. All around Dallas today, there's great Bible messages. People are hearing that Jesus is a healer, but nobody's getting healed. They hear that Jesus is a prophet, but nobody's allowed to prophesy. They hear Jesus came and cast out demons, but nobody's getting delivered. They hear that Jesus is a savior, but there's no response to altar calls. I'm just convinced that the gospel really only works in the glory. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. It's not a weak gospel. It's power. So I decided at seven years old, if God couldn't speak, if God couldn't raise my father from the dead, if God couldn't heal, if God couldn't do everything in that book, then God wasn't real. Started smoking at seven, drinking at nine, running the streets, being promiscuous by the age of 12. Just... Everything I could do, I became that kid in the neighborhood that nobody else was allowed to play with. I was a mess. I hated my life. I hated everybody around. I wasn't prejudiced. wasn't racist. I hated everybody. It didn't matter if you were black, blue, polka dot, green, orange, striped. It didn't matter. The only prayer I ever prayed was, God, create more people so I can hate them too. Hated myself. Thirteen years old, I hung a rope in my garage jumped off, hung there, the rope broke. 17, I tried to drive my 1977 Monte Carlo ACDC back in black jamming into Lake Michigan. As I was going across the road to go into the lake, the car ran out of gas. <laughs> tried to do it again, and I hit a semi-truck, but I didn't get a bump, a bruise, or a scratch because I had my seatbelt on. Hey, I didn't want to die. I, I wanted to die. I didn't want to get hurt. I don't know, you're pretty messed up if you can't kill yourself, right? <laughs> I set one record at Chicago Christian High School. It's the record of in-school suspensions and detentions in a semester. 29. I still hold the record today. I call every year, make sure nobody's getting close, and if they are, I threaten to come back. <laughs> they say, Wagner, don't come back, we'll kick him out. We don't want anybody touching your record. Graduated with 1.97 grade point average. D is still passing. Hallelujah. Some of you just, somebody is just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the D. <laughs> Don't know how it happened. I, but I ended up getting into a college on a choir scholarship. Now, if I were to sing for you, you would know what my gift is not. So I go, and I'm working security not to keep the campus safe, but to meet girls, just being honest. And on a Halloween night, I'm just in there, and I'm, I'm in the security van, little yellow light, little security vest. And I'm just sitting in the parking lot, and this policeman comes through, Sergeant Bob Johnson. It's not Bill's brother. Uh, but he, he said, hey, you look like a good, clean-cut American boy. We're hiring. Why don't you apply? So I said, hey, I like to drink. I like guns. I hate people. Being a policeman would be a pretty good job. So just reasoned it out. 
Besides, my father came from a family of 15, 13 boys, two girls. Eight of them were Chicago cops. I thought I was going into the family business. Somehow I passed psychological exams. Can you imagine that? A schizophrenic. That's a great thing. I knew how to work the system. I knew what not to say when they showed me those ink blots. I see dead people. No, no, no. You, you don't say that. And so, aren't you glad I came to minister to you this morning? You're, you're like, man, I, don't, I wonder if he's still crazy. And, right? And, and so I pass. And for five years, I'm doing great. I mean, I'm being decorated. I'm starting programs. But drinking completely consumes my life. And I can't show up in the morning on time because I'm still drunk from the night before. I'm showing up for a night shift, arresting people for DUI when I'm probably drunker than they are. Not, not proud of it. And I've become mean and hateful. I'm the kind of guy that during an interrogation, if you need to get answers, just leave me in there for a few minutes. I don't look like that now, but back then, that's how I was. I ended up getting fired. I had the opportunity to resign or be fired because I violated somebody's civil rights. And I threatened to shoot them in both their elbows and kneecaps, so every time it rained, they'd have to think about me because of the arthritis. Now, you should never do that, especially when they're recording. No, you should just never do that. I thought my life was over, so I, I took a 38 special, put it in my mouth, pulled the trigger. The hammer hit the bullet, but the bullet didn't come out of the gun. So I just started rapidly pulling the thing, and nothing happened. So I grabbed my Glock 17 9mm, and I put it to my head, and I started pulling the trigger, and the hammer hits the bullet. You can hear it, but, but nothing is coming out. Can't even kill myself, right, y'all? Easter Sunday, 1993, my grandmother has a massive stroke, 90 years old. And I love my grandmother more than anybody else on the planet. She, just, she was just amazing. She believed in me when I couldn't believe myself. And so they say, if you want to say goodbye to her, you need to get to the nursing home. And I get there, and the death rattle's going on. Her lungs are filling with fluid. She's, she's just out of it. And we're saying goodbye, and there's a preacher there. And my parents, my mom and stepdad, I hadn't seen in about six months, and an aunt and some cousins, and we're just saying goodbye to Grandma. And all of a sudden, my grandmother scares the snot out of us. She sits straight up in the bed, and she starts singing a song. My Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine. To Thee all the folly of sin I resign. Goes back into a coma, comes back up, finishes the song. Comes up three times, finishes the song. Freaked me out. <laughs> and I had this glimpse, you can't be that close to death. If you're that close to death, you wouldn't be worshiping a God who didn't exist. We said goodbye about 2 in the morning, expecting her to die in the night. And we, I came back at about 8 in the morning to check on her. My little Dutch grandmother was sitting up straight in the bed, drinking tea out of a saucer, eating uh, a piece of toast. The only time I ever saw my grandmother angry, I came across the threshold of the, of the room. And my grandmother looked at me. She said, David, I know you were here last night. It was my night to go home and be with the Lord. But he kept me alive to tell you this. I'm sorry we didn't believe you when you were six. We just didn't know any better. 
But God hasn't changed his mind about you. He's called you to go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever you go, lives will be touched and changed. And then she said the words that I couldn't understand, that I didn't want to understand. She said, and you'll be the one to win your brother. Now, I hated my brother more than anybody else on the face of the planet. Because my brother was a cocaine addict and over a $10,000 cocaine debt, they burned a garage down, which caught our house on fire. He held a, a, my, my mom to a, uh, with a, a, a knife to her neck, the knife he gave me for my birthday, threatened to kill her in front of me. Uh, he violently molested me from the time that I was seven to the time I was 13, threw me and locked me in attics, threw me in gas dryers, turned them on. And so I hated him, and I didn't know if there was a hell, but if there was one, I wanted him to go there. Fifteen minutes after my grandmother gave me that word, she passed away. She went home to be with Jesus. I went running from God for the next three years, and this phenomenon would happen. I'd, I'd go to the bar, I'd go to the club, and they'd kick me out, no longer for fighting but for preaching. I'd get drunk, I'd tie one on. And I'd look at the guy next to me, Hey, man, Jesus, love you. God, I'll cry for you sin, man. And they'd say, Wagner, make up your mind. Be a preacher or be a drunk. You can't be both. Even we know that. <laughs> now, misery don't even want company. I meet a girl. We're doing everything you shouldn't do before you get married. But there's a problem. She's got a crazy Christian mother that believes the whole Bible, every word of it. And you go to her house and she says, I love you and I'm praying for you. I'm like, don't love me, don't pray for me. Pray for you. I'm your worst nightmare. And the unthinkable thing happens. The girl gets saved. She gives her life to the Lord. I thought I could win her back to the dark side. I thought I was like Darth Vader. Come back to the dark side. I thought, man, she can't resist all this humble and handsome. Right? It's just a little Jesus kick. It's just a little thing right now. All of a sudden, she gives me an ultimatum. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, yeah, she did. You want to stay with me, you got to come to church. But she was going to one of those churches. I said, I'll go, but under two conditions. Number one, if anybody rolls in the aisles like your holy rollers do, I'm out of there. And number two, if anybody speaks in tongues, I'm gone. I don't believe in anything, but I know that's not for today. She said, just go and relax. I sit in the back row, guest preacher. How many of you got to watch out for guest preachers? I'll be here all week. No, I'm just kidding. The guy's a missionary to Spain, and he's demonstrating how he draws kids to the, in the squares of Madrid, so he preaches to them. Can you imagine the guy's preaching on a stinking unicycle? Holy roller. He's dressed up like a clown. Clown pants, clown shoes, clown suspenders, clown hat, clown nose. Thank God no clown makeup. That would freak me out, right? A flower that squirts water. He's juggling and preaching. But he's not a good preacher. He can't preach his way out of a paper bag. He just, he's lost. And he's always losing his place in the Bible and the notes. And there's always these awkward moments of silence. I whispered to her, I said, baby, holy roller, let's go. She said, just give it a minute. So in one of these awkward moments, he's just fumbling through. And this lady about three rows in front of me lets out in tongues. <laughs> to me, it sounded something like this. Keys to a Honda, shoot a mosquito, came in a Ford, left in a Chevy. 
burrito, taco, chicken, almond ding. You know, it was just like General Sow's chicken, chop suey, enchilada. It, it made no sense to me. And I wanted to run out of the church, but my butt was glued to the seat. And all of a sudden, this preacher on the unicycle doesn't miss anything. He goes, there's a young man here. You're 26 years old. You've been running from God your whole life. The Lord spoke to you when you were six and again on your grandmother's deathbed three years ago. He's speaking to you again today. He's not changed his mind about you. He's called you to go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever you go, lives will be touched and changed. And you will be the one to win your brother. But every revelation requires a response. And I just thought he was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I just wept and wept and wept, but I didn't respond. Relationship broke up. I thought my life was over. January 17, 1997, I took 250 prescription pills, a bottle of gin, 12-pack of beer, and I laid down to die, or so I thought. Nobody knows how it happened, but I ended up in a little church in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. If you ever get the chance, don't go there. Uh, and uh, No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Lord help her. Jesus, heal her right now. Please, please don't tell me you're a Packer fan. Jesus. Bear, bear. Bear, all right. Oh, you just redeemed all of Wisconsin for me. Best part of Wisconsin for me was I got out. Uh, and uh, No, I'm just kidding. I met Jesus there. So I'm in Sheboygan County Medical Center. That's where I was. But nobody knows how it happened. I... I ended up in a church 12 miles away from where I was living in Oostburg, Wisconsin. And you really should want to go there. There's nothing there. And, and so I'm 12 miles away in Bethany Reformed Church. And I dropped dead in front of Pastor David Vendrun. And it's his first day out of seminary. He's not even the real pastor. He's an interim pastor. He just graduated seminary and he's the interim pastor because they don't have a pastor yet. He's just holding the fort down. Poor guy's unpacking a box. Here I come. I drop dead in his office. He doesn't believe in resurrection, so he dials 911. They bring me to Sheboygan County Medical Center. They revive me as the ambulance gets there. They revive me. They bring me to the Sheboygan County Medical Center, and they put me on life support. They finally find out my, where my mother is in Chicago. They call and said, you might as well forget you ever had this son. He's not going to live. If he does live, he'll be a vegetable the rest of the days of his life. My mom prays a simple prayer. God, you gave him to me. I give him back to you. I named him David because I always believed he'd be my little shepherd boy. And I don't know what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, make my son a miracle. Don't know if it was at that same time, but around that time, a bright light came into the room. And the Lord said, son, I've not changed my mind about you. I've called you to go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever you go, lives will be touched and changed. And you'll be the one to win your brother. If you give me your life, I'll use you. If not, here's where you go. And he took me to the outer banks of hell. You could smell the sulfur, the burning flesh. You could hear the screams and the agony, this cold darkness. And people were screaming out, Wagner, why didn't you tell us this place was real? You went to church three times a week. You went twice on Sunday. You went every Wednesday night. You were a Calvinist cadet. You even had the handkerchief. Why didn't you tell us this place was real? And I woke up and I felt a peace that I never had before. And I felt the love I never felt before. And I just simply prayed the Spirit, God, if you can love me when I can't love myself, I'll serve you the rest of the days of my life. I ended up 
uh, 11 months later in Pensacola, Florida, discovered my destiny in a local church, got raised up in ministry. Fast forward to 2003, they bring me back to the Dutch Reformed Church I grew up in. They were going to recognize that I've been in ministry for three years, put my name on a little plaque in the, in the foyer, give me three minutes to speak. I took 10 minutes to get them all back. Uh, and on the back row of the church was my brother and eight of my uncles. Now you have to understand, I'm the first man in my family ever to serve God. Both sides of the family. And that day my brother came to the Lord. That day eight of my uncles came to the Lord. Today every male in my family is serving God. It's the power of the prophetic. It's the power of the prophetic. But how many know it started a process? There's a lot of warfare to get me from there to here. And so I'm just saved in 1999, show up in Pensacola, Florida. I'm working in our Christian school. I have, thro- I have a throne room ministry. I'm cleaning toilets. Listen, servanthood isn't the way to greatness. Servant in itself is greatness. When you serve out of worship, I'll tell you some of the greatest experiences I had with God were cleaning toilets. And I'd cook in our Christian school, and I'd wash my hands in between, don't worry. But I had this lady working with me. Her name was Sixta McKeel. Sixta was from Panama. She was a crazy woman. She was crazy before she met Jesus, and afterwards she was crazy for Jesus. She had this scar where she was cut from here to here with a knife and knife fights. And she said, she would tell me, I was a mean, mean woman. I was in witchcraft. She couldn't say witchcraft, so it came out witchcraft. <laughs> she would have these experiences with God. Sometimes I know it was in the spirit. Sometimes I think it was in the flesh. She'd fall out on the floor, especially when I was doing dishes. Come on, Jesus, you can pick a more convenient time. But this lady was wild. She, she came to the Lord, got touched by revival, and the Lord changed her life. Shortly after she was saved, she came down with pancreatic cancer, went completely blind, withered her weight about 75 pounds. She died, was in the morgue of West Florida Hospital. And she uh, was in the morgue for nine hours. And suddenly the guy saw the sheet moving. And he pulled the sheet back. Now she died blind, woke up seeing. The pancreas that had been removed by surgery, we have stacks of medical documentation that the rest of her life the pancreas grew back. 70 years old, she went to Panama to be a missionary. As she was there for her first week being a missionary, she wanted to go to the place that even the policemen wouldn't go, San Miguelito. And so she's there, and two bandits jump out of the the ditch with guns, and they put the guns to her head and say, we want all your money. And she just looked at them and and laughed. And she said, in the nombre de Jesus. And they took off running. She took off running after them. (laughs) 70 years old, she caught them. She took their guns away and held them at gunpoint and made them say the sinner's prayer. Now, I'm not saying that's how you should do evangelism. But whatever works. They become her armor bearers. They become her security guards. And they're going in places. So, how how many know when you've been dead, you don't fear death? 
Listen, I've been dead three times in my life. Four years ago, I died of malaria and typhoid fever. That was after a plane crash. I don't fear death. I don't fear getting out. I really don't have any fears anymore. My two greatest fears in life have been fear of rejection and fear of public speaking. (laughs) And guess what God puts me in front of every day? Hilarious, isn't it? So here's the thing. I liked America. I liked Pensacola. So although I had this word, you're going to go around the world preaching the gospel, I didn't ever plan on leaving. I liked my blessed assurance at 5910 North W Street, Jubilee International Ministry Center, Pensacola, Florida, 32505. I just loved it there. And Sixta, every day, she, she would hound me. She was a prophecy hound. I think she was a hound from heaven. And every day she'd go, when are you going to go to my country? I said, I'm never going to your country. <laughs> oh, I asked the Lord. The Lord, he said, yes. <laughs> I say, Sixta, I'm never going. Every day, when are you going to go to my country? When are you going to go to Panama? I said, I will go to Alabama. I will go to Pensacola. I will go to Chicago. I will go to Dallas. But I will never, I will go to every other country in the world, but I will not go to Panama just because you bother me. She goes, no, no, no. I asked the Lord, the Lord, he said, yes. Well, I had a little secret. She heard my testimony. She heard all these prophetic words about going around the world. And she actually prayed about it. And the Lord said, he's not going anywhere because he doesn't have a passport. So he said, she said, oh, the Lord tell me you don't go to nowhere. You don't go to Panama. You don't go to anywhere because you don't have a passport. So she grabs me by my ear, throws me in a chair in the office, takes out this, uh, this application. You're going to fill it out right now. Ahora. In the nombre de Jesus. So I start thinking, I'm filling it in. I'm like, I'll just make some mistakes. It'll get rejected. So I'm about to make my first mistake. And she goes, oh, yeah, I asked the Lord. And the Lord, he say, you're going to make a mistake. And if you do, if you do, you're going to do it again. And she has this whole stack of applications. Hounds of heaven. She grabs me by my ear and she brings me, throws me in her minivan. Takes me to CVS Pharmacy, makes me get the passport photo. I asked the Lord, the Lord said, you know, do it yourself, so you, you come in with me. Takes me, to the, takes me to the post office. Pays expedited shipping, expedited fees. And I get my passport back on February 20th, 2002. February 22nd, 2002, I was in Panama for the first time. I've been there 45 times. I've prophesied to the presidents, three presidents of Panama. Seen healing after healing there. I've been in 58 nations in the last 12 years. Because a crazy, a Holy Ghost-filled woman... Heard God. 
Preparation belongs to me, but timing belongs to the Lord. And some of you, you're still stuck in your old prophecy because you haven't taken steps to step into it. Your promise is a process. And here's what I found out about God. I'm not patient, but He is. And some of you right now, you're one act of obedience away from your destiny. You're one act of obedience away from stepping out of delay into divine appointment. You're one act of obedience away from stepping out of delay into acceleration. See, God's not waiting. Listen, God is, we're no longer waiting on God, but God is waiting on us. And I'm telling you that this is a, a, a season where the Lord is about to open our eyes and our understanding. That this is a season, especially for this house, that you're not just going to be hearers of the word, but you're actually going to have the understanding of it. I heard the Lord say to, today to tell you that you're, He's opening the ears of your understanding. That He's going to release words to you that you're not just going to hear, but you're going to know exactly what to do with it. See, you can have a word about a million-dollar business, a billion-dollar business, but unless you come up with a business plan, have fun at McDonald's. <laughs> well, God said, but have you done what God said? Hebrews 10 says, after you've done the will of God, you receive the promise. What's the will of God? This is what I've discovered the, the will of God to be. Everything I never knew I always wanted. I never knew I always wanted to be here. In fact, poor Anne Marie, she had to send me 153 emails letting me know it was the will of God for me to be here. One, one letter, she said, I'm going to keep on coming. I'm the persistent widow in, in Luke chapter 8. I'm a, I, better, I better respond. She's going to drive to Pensacola and find me. I never knew I wanted to be in Panama 45 times. The promise is a process. One final story. I never did get to my message. I guess I have to preach it tonight, this afternoon. Next time I come, when I move to Dallas, no, no, I'm just, I just, that's not the will of God. No. <laughs> I should be careful. Sometimes things come out of my mouth and then they happen. And so I'm young in the Lord. I'm still not very old in the Lord. I'm just young in the Lord back then. So in 1999, I, I'm in a Winn-Dixie supermarket. I'm on a ramen noodle diet because all I can afford. So I'm trying to choose between creamy chicken, <laughs> hot and spicy, shrimp, beef, or oriental. Listen, I've had ramen noodles every way you can eat them. I've crushed them, put some Tonys on them, shook it in the bag, ate it raw. Break your teeth, but they're good. I put them in. I put cheese in them. I put all kinds of stuff in them just to make them taste good. And so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And this this little raging Cajun, four foot ten, 
bald-headed, missing a front tooth from the bayous of Louisiana, visiting Pensacola. Guy comes up to me, looking at the ramen noodles. He goes, hey, boy. Swamp people, live. <laughs> hey, boy. What God call you to do? I went back to Chicago. You talking to me? Are you talking to me? No. What God called you to do? I, I, I said, I think I'm called to be a pastor. He said, oh, no, 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 boy. I guarantee you ain't no pastor. God's called you to be a prophet to go around the world, preaching the gospel. Wherever you go, lives will be touched and changed. Then he gave me that Holy Ghost stare. <laughs> Started speaking in tongue and Winn-Dixie. He said, oh yeah, boy, you're going to raise the dead. Freaked me out. The dude's become, Shannon Abear has become one of my best friends. I was the best man in his wedding. Lives in a place called Karen Crow, Louisiana. How many of you really need to find your way there? You ain't going to bump into it. And uh, I go home and I'm eating my mom and noodles and I start processing this word. Because either he's crazy or God speaks through crazy. Some of you get that later. And I'm eating my ramen noodles. I'm thinking, Lord, how is this going to happen? The Lord says, I want you to think like a normal Christian. So I started thinking like a normal Christian that had a prophetic word about raising the dead on my life. And I came to the realization that I would never see any dead people raised. Instead, I started praying for dead people. So I said, Lord, where are dead people? And so he took me to the churches of Pensacola. No, no, no. <laughs> so I started reading the obituaries. I had one ugly green suit. And I'd put it on. And I'd go to the funeral homes of Pensacola. I'd go through the receiving lines. So sorry for your loss. Jimmy was a great man. I'm going to miss him. He's just a big old teddy bear. Tough on the outside, soft on the inside. So sorry for your loss. Jimmy, can you hear me? If you can hear me, Jimmy, squeeze my finger. Don't pull my finger, Jimmy. Squeeze it. Jimmy, can you hear me? In the name of Jesus, call your spirit back in your body. You'll live and not die. You'll prophesy. You'll declare the word of the Lord. Come up. Wink at me, Jimmy. Do something. Shut the Nothing happened. Went to the next room. Maxine. <laughs> she thought she could cook. Oh man, those pies were something. Didn't know what else to call them. They were just something. 
I go through the receiving line, come back. They were Catholic. <laughs> Maxine, can you hear me? Call your spirit back in your body. You live and not die. Nothing happened. Prayed for a hundred dead people in funeral homes all over Pensacola. And then I got caught. And the funeral director said, there's no possible way you know every person that's died in Pensacola. <laughs> got banned from funeral homes. A restraining order. Unless you're in a casket. Can't come in. So I started thinking like a normal Christian that had a prophetic word about raising the dead. And I found the guy that was in charge of maintenance and janitorial services for Sacred Heart Hospital. So I took him to lunch because the way to a man's heart and to his keys are through his stomach. Ladies, that's free right now. Just receive it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> prophetic word for you. And I go in a... <laughs> Come here, Pastor. Hold the story. Father, right now, I thank you for messages that other men would be afraid to preach. Brother, I heard the Lord say that it was a season where you felt like your message was falling on deaf ears. But the Lord says that I'm opening up the ears of the deaf around you. And the Lord says that I'm opening up the ears and I'm opening up the mouths of the religiously deaf and dumb. They're going to begin to hear and understand and they're going to begin to speak forth the word. And I heard the Lord say that son, I've anointed you as a hammer and an anvil. To begin to form and reform. To begin to form and reform. And that's a prophetic word right there in your pocket. Because this is what I heard the Lord say to tell the people. The train is leaving the station. All aboard, all aboard. Because you either get on board or you get left. Don't worry, there's another train coming. But you might as well go first. And brother, I felt like the Lord said that there was a season that you were just a little bit ahead of your time. And the messages that you've been preaching even over the last 10 and 15 and 20 years ago, it's now about time. And I feel like the Lord is releasing even a fresh apostolic mandate upon your life to form, transform, conform, and reform lives. Your greatest days in life, your greatest days in ministry aren't behind you, they're in front of you. Who let the dogs out? Mm, mm. Oh, man. I tell you, brother, I just roll with it. Go ahead, give me another one. No. <laughs> but, Father, I just bless my brother right now. Lord, I thank you that he's stepping into a season called Miracle Season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So, so, I take the guy to lunch. He thought I was going to lose my place. So I take the guy to lunch. I say, you have keys get you in everywhere? He said, yeah, everywhere. I said, even the morgue? He said, are you some kind of freak? 
I said, no, I just got a word about raising the dead. And what's the worst can happen? Your doctors killed him. My God might raise him. And so he lets me into the morgue, but he says, if you get caught, you don't know me. I prayed for 100 dead people in the morgues of Pensacola, and then I got caught. Banned from Sacred Heart Hospital. That's why I got five kids. The only way to get in was my wife had to go into labor and delivery. People said, did you get disappointed? I said, no, I just got more and more determined. It wasn't a matter of if, it was just a matter of when. Fast forward at 2007. I'm going with a group of people from a place called Odenville, Alabama. Middle of nowhere. Not even a traffic light. It's this little Methodist church that got spirit-filled. And they invited me to go with them. I met up with them in Amsterdam because I, was, I had been ministering in the New York area. and So I meet up with the team, and I'm just exhausted. I'm tired. I just want to sleep on the plane. I'm on the plane, and this little girl, Christy, comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder. She's 18 years old. Radically saved in high school. Saves up for two years to go on a missions trip. She has radical, annoying faith. You know people like that? Just believe God for everything. She comes up to me. Brother Dave. Brother Dave. Sister Christy. What do you believe in God to do on this trip? I answered like a Pentecostal preacher. Well, I'm believing for souls to be saved, lives to be changed, glory to God, the sick to be healed, the bound to be delivered. I just thought she'd go away. No, really, 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 Brother Dave. What you believe in to see on this trip? I said, Christy, the back of my eyelids. She said, you know what I'm believing to see? I said, nope, but I bet you're going to tell me. She said, I'm believing to see what has never been seen before. And something leaped on the inside of me, and I knew that she was about to see it. We landed there. Didn't even get a shower. Brought us out to a cow pasture, 40,000 people. People hanging out of trees to watch. We're there. Christy, blonde hair, blue eyes. Does what we told her not to do. Jumps off the platform, runs into the sea of people. She finds a mama holding a baby. Has Down syndrome, deaf, blind, can't speak. Praise for the baby. The first day, the Lord opens the baby's eyes. Second day, praise for the baby. The Lord opens the baby's ears. Third day, praise for the baby. And the baby says, Yesu, Jesus in his native language. Fourth day, this Down syndrome baby with all kinds of deformities and ailments, God completely just heals him. I've never seen anything like it before. The story is that when she was pregnant, the Lord gave her a dream that the baby would be born with extreme deformities, but God would send a white-skinned, blonde-haired woman. that She's never seen a white person before. A white person in her dream shows up in the dream, prays for the baby. The baby gets healed. The baby's born. Her family says you should put that baby in a dumpster because it's going to be a burden to you your whole life. But she has a dream. And the dream was that the baby would be healed and be a preacher by the time he was nine years old. Fourth day, she prays for the baby. All of the deformities and everything completely are healed. Powerful. 
it, it causes faith to go to a whole new level. All of a sudden, this mama comes. She's been walking from the Congo border. She's carrying a baby that is dying of malaria. Carries it for three days and six hours before she gets to the meeting. The baby dies in her arms. Rigor mortis sets in. The flesh begins to rot in the hot Africa sun. Buzzards, vultures swirling around. Can imagine the stench. And she has to make up her mind. Do I go home and have a funeral? Do I bury the baby right here or do I keep on coming? And she chose to keep on coming. And she said with every step, I will not be denied. I will not be denied. I will not be denied. She makes it there. We have soldiers and guards because we're in a kind of a, a, a difficult area. They won't let her on the stage. So she takes the dead baby and starts beating people out of the way with its feet. She gets on the platform and she lays the baby at my feet. And says, my baby's dead. What's your God going to do about it? There was a Baptist pastor on my right, a Methodist pastor on my left. It was not a time for a theological dispensational discussion. We just knew if nothing happened, we'd end up like that baby. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. That's more free revelation right now. Just receive it, y'all. So we just said, Father, in the name of Jesus, we call Simon's body back, his spirit back into his body. We'll declare that he'll live and not die. I know that's a bold prayer to pray over somebody that's already dead. We declare that he will prophesy. He'll declare the word and the works of the Lord. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I call for your breath to breathe on him. All of a sudden, that rigor mortis body went limp. All of the flesh that had rotted away grew back. And all of a sudden, that little boy sat straight up, and he drank some water. He ate some matoki, which is like, like, like plantains that's mashed up. And two hours later, while I was preaching, he was playing soccer behind the platform because our God's a God who raises the dead. Can I tell you something? The first 200 times was just practice. The first 200 times was just practice. One of my good friends, Heidi Baker, prayed for blind people. Every day for a year, nothing happened. But now I've not been around her where she hasn't prayed for somebody and they didn't see. First few thousand times, just practice. Some of you right now, God wants to move you out of the valley of decision to the mountain of change. He wants to move you out of that waiting period, out of that holding pattern, into that place of acceleration. But in order to step there, you've got, to, you've got to respond. Every revelation requires a response. Come up here. Come up higher. Give all that you have. Follow me. Cast your net on the other side. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow me. Feed the people. I don't know what I'm talking about. It will cost you everything. But then again, it didn't cost me anything. Jesus is determined that you have everything he paid for at the cross. He's determined that your destiny would manifest and come to pass. When I just stopped by here this morning to tell you, that you're about to step into the place of fulfillment and completion. You're stepping into a new era. 
You're stepping into a new place, into a new time with God. There is a divine synergy happening in the Spirit. There's a synchronization of your heart and His heart, your timing and His timing. I don't fully understand it, but I feel like this is a word for you right now. It's a Galatians 4-4 season. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. When the fullness of time has come, God has sent forth His sons and His daughters. I'm here to tell you right now that it's time that God is, is getting ready to put faith into action. Prophetic words into motion. There is a new momentum that God is releasing in this place. The moment you've been waiting for isn't coming, it's here. I know I'm over time. But I don't even know what time it is except that I see it on the clock back there. It still doesn't make sense to me. Going right now in this place. Some of you. God wants to break off delay. I'm snapping my fingers and right now seven years are being made up. I'm snapping my fingers right now. And some of you are catching up seven years time. Three years time. Some of you right now, you've been in that seven year process. God is breaking old cycles. God is breaking old cycles. He's breaking old cycles and releasing new ones. This is the season of Selah in this church. Not just think about it, ponder it. But Selah, it means this, to be continued. Where man puts a period, God puts a comma. It looks one way, but God. Right now, some of you, God's about to breathe on your business. Some of you right now, God is about to cause you to open up the window. He's about to open up the windows of heaven. And interesting that he opens up the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing. Wouldn't it be easier to do that through a door? How many know you don't walk through a window, you look through a window? And God is getting ready to release divine glimpses into the window of heaven to get a God idea. Come on, right now, there's an anointing of inventions in this house. There's an anointing of God ideas in this house. Come on, there there is an anointing right now coming on you where God wants to create opportunity for you. Your miracles in your mouth, your steering current, your, your season of getting ready to just release that jet stream of God over your life. Young lady in the in the blue on the end. I just want you to lift your hands right now. There's an anointing coming upon you when you came up running up there earlier I heard the Lord say many stamps in the passport and I heard the scripture out of Isaiah 52 blessed are the feet of those who stand upon the mountains that declare to Zion that our God reigns I felt like the Lord said that this is your season of proclamation It's your season of proclamation. Proclamation and origination. You're a Holy Spirit original. And I felt like the Lord said that you're you're been in the season of development. Kind of before there was digital digital cameras, we put everything on film. And you took the snapshot and it went on to something called the negative. And the negative had to go to the dark room to get developed. 
But when it came out of the dark room, you could see what was captured. And I feel like this is going to be a season of snapshots in the glory of God for you. And I'm just telling you right now that faith is rising in you. That thing about raising the dead, that thing about I want to see what has never been seen before is rising on the inside of you. And I'm just telling you right now, I saw you in a sea of black faces. And God's going God's to really begin to break your heart and write nations on your heart. I don't think you're going to have to go to live there, but I think you're going to go there and come back. Uh, here's what I heard the Lord said He's going to give you glory stories. Glory stories. Some people in this room, you've been in this cycle of start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. And God wants to release the anointing of the finisher in this room. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Some of you, there's somebody in this room right now, you've got three projects started. Spiral notebooks started. And you got them tucked away underneath the, underneath the bed. And God wants you to take them out and finish them. Three projects started. Right now, he's about to breathe on them again. The ideas of heaven are flowing. I shared my testimony this morning because the Lord spoke to me on my way here. There's a number of people in this room that have been struggling with the spirit of suicide. It's like this thing has been hounding you as great as the promises are, as great as the prophecies are. There's this place on the inside of you that feels hopeless, that feels like somehow the world is a better place without you. I'm not saying you have a plan, but I'm saying that the enemy's been on your shoulder, on your case, whispering to you. And God is breaking off the spirit of fear and death off of Dallas today. Come on, I've come to, to cancel the assignment of hell and to release the assignment and the angels of heaven. And I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care what it is, if it's Ebola, if it's addiction, if it's torment, if it's uh, uh, suicide, God's breaking it off today, right now, in the name of Jesus. I feel strong. I know there's not a lot of us here, but I, the Lord spoke to me about eight people right now struggling with the spirit of suicide. Honey, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not, it's not you and it's not in you. It's just on you. And the Lord's about to silence, silence, silence the mouth of the enemy. He's about to zip the lip of the enemy. And right now in this place, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. I know that this is a very uh, personal, private thing. But there is an anointing on my life to break things off and break things through because what God does for you, He anoints you to do for others. And all I can tell you is that 17 years ago, God broke suicide and depression off me. I've never had another depressed day, it's honest truth. I've had some difficult days. I've had some days where I lost people that I love dearly and I was a little sad. But joy always comes in the morning. I'm just here to tell you right now that from that moment on, I hadn't heard any other voice but the voice of God. And today, God wants to silence that suicidal thing. He wants to break that thing off. 
And if you'll be honest today, listen, there's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's no judgment. But I know when I hear God. And I would rather step out and be free than to stay paralyzed under it. And right now, if I'm talking to you, listen, I just shared deep, dark secrets of my life. I've basically done this morning everything they tell you not to do in Bible college. Because transparency brings healing. Come on, God's releasing vulnerable preachers who their only reputation is God's reputation. If I'm talking to you, you're one of those eight people, I want you to get out of your seat and come right here. It's going to break off of you. Here's the thing. Jesus never gave invitations. He always gave commands. Today, this thing's going to leave you and never, ever, 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 ever come back. I'm glad that I'm here for Sunday morning and leaders this afternoon and Sunday night. But this is why I came to Dallas. Everything else for me today is bonus. You're the reason I'm here. Church, I hope you're blessed today, but I didn't come to bless. I came to build. See, Jesus always demonstrated, then he taught. He taught, then he demonstrated. And God's about to activate what you already know. God's about to activate what you already know. He's about to activate what you already know. God, I just want you right now to give it to God. I had a vision a couple years ago in Australia. I was in a bedroom and outside the bedroom was the stairway and I saw Jesus come up the stairs. The only time I ever saw Jesus this way, he was mad. Freaked me out. He, He came into the room and I thought, what's wrong with you, Jesus? I've never seen you angry. And he put his finger in my chest and he said, I want my stuff back. I said, you can have it. You can have the house, the kids, the great danes. You can have the car. You can have, all, all, you can have everything. He said, not that stuff. I gave that to you. But there's stuff that, you, that you're carrying that you think you have ownership of, but you don't, you don't own that. I own that because I paid for it at the cross. That pain in your back, it belongs to me. It don't belong to you. That anxiety thing that you carry, that fear of man that you, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. I paid for it at the cross. And I feel the divine determination of heaven in this room right now. That he wants everything that he paid for at the cross. See, depression doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. He took the crown of thorns for it. He conquered death, hell, and the grave so you didn't have to. And right now I'm just telling you, I don't care circumstantial, chemical, situational, spiritual. Today, it's leaving. Come on, you're the the reason the church exists. 
And I'm tired of the church shooting its wounded. Today you're not being shot at. You're being celebrated. Come on, this is a place where you won't be tolerated. You'll be celebrated. It's family. I just want you to lift your hands right now and just, just give it to him. Just give it to him. Jesus, right now. I can't do it because I'd mess it up, but I heard Jesus beatboxing over you. And I heard the Lord say that he's given you a unique rhythm. You may not be the strongest guy, but you're the fastest. And I saw the Lord giving you like a one-two punch. And I saw you just knocking out the enemy. I heard the Lord say that there's an anointing of hope and love on your life. The world would try to make you a fighter, but God created you to be a lover. A lover of God, a lover of people. And I saw the Lord just stirring up the music in you. Stirring up sounds of the season in you. And I felt like the Lord said days of being misunderstood are over. I saw the Lord just opening the blinds, opening the shades. No more darkness. The light has come. And I heard the Lord say that he's restoring your imagination. He's restoring your imagination. The enemy tried to pollute it, but God's restoring it. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I break this suicidal, depressive thing off of him right now. I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Let the joy of the Lord come right now in Jesus' name. Father, let your fire fall on this son right now. Lord, this is your beloved son in whom you're well pleased. Lord, right now, but I lay my hands on his head. What you did for me 17 years ago, do for him right now. Do it right now. Right here and right now in this moment. Lord, I release that anointing that would break the yoke. Lord, right now you said the anointing destroys the yoke. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. I saw like a Letters dropping out of an airplane over your life. And I heard the Lord say, special delivery. Here's what they were. Letters from dad. Everyone was signed. I love you, son. I love you, son. I love you, son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I love you, son. Nothing you can do to make me love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make me love you any less. I love you, son. Today I'm settling the issue. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And I saw the Lord healing the Father's heart in you. No more death by disappointment. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for a new day, for a new era. Lord, right now I release breakthrough right now. Holy Spirit, fill him up to overflowing. Lord, I break off right now every tormenting thing. Lord, I command even doubt and fear to leave. Lord, you said in John 10.10 10, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You've come to give us life and life more abundantly.
Lord, I release the abundant life. The name of your new season is Hilarious Hope. I heard Jesus going, Stevie Wonder over you. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Told you you'd find out what my gift was not. The Lord's going to sing over you. He's not just going to speak over you. He's going to sing over you. And I saw the Lord just lavishing his love on you. I heard the Lord say extravagance. I saw the Lord giving you like a VIP all access pass. It's better than any concert, better than any show. I saw the Lord giving you VIP treatment, then I saw you taking center stage with Jesus. God's building a platform for your anointing. The arts, the dance, the acting. God's even going to give you a Holy Spirit school of performing arts. (laughs) Prophetic arts. The writer's block is coming to an end. Those three projects I talked about, they're yours. It's the season that the Lord's about to finish. You know what I heard? Acceptance and approval. You've taken a walk on the wild side with this Jesus thing. There's some families saying, when is she going to get over it? And how come she's doing this? And how come she's going there? And why? If you think you're radical, wait till you see them. You're the pioneer. You're a cultural pioneer. I said you're a cultural pioneer. Pioneer is somebody who dreams with God, creates with God. Lord, I break the torment. Lord, I thank you right now that the sleepless nights have come to an end. It's like either you can't sleep or you can't wake up. And today God's bringing you into divine balance. Lord, right now I thank you that even tonight would be a night of the restoration of rest. In Jesus' name. I saw the Lord putting this barrel in front of you, and I said, Lord, what is it? And he said, it's a barrel of laughs. And I felt like the Lord said that he misses your laughter. I saw you like in a spiritual hospital, and on the chart it said serious condition. Because you've been in this place called serious. But I saw the Lord just breaking you out of the serious and into the joy of the Lord. Jesus told me you're your own worst critic. I should have done this and I could have done this and how could I miss that? What, what am I doing? A 99 instead of a 100. And I saw the Lord just taking the stick out of your hand. 
heard the Lord today to tell you that he's so proud of you because you've made a stand. I saw the Lord putting rings on your finger. A diamond ring on one side and a pearl on the other. Because you are a pearl of great price, but you're going to win pearls of great price out of like Matthew 13, 44. But I also saw that hope diamond on your finger. This is the season where the Lord says, I'm calling you out. There's new volume coming to your voice. Honey, you weren't just born to be seen. You were also born to be heard. There's a lioness on the inside of you. Let her roar. The Lord's waking you up inside right now because you're going to be an awakener for your generation. There are scholarships being prepared for you in advance. Not partial, full ride. And you'll test all right and your grades will be good. But here's why you're getting in. You're getting the 512 plan. Psalm 512. The favor of the Lord is upon me and surrounds me like a shield. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, for radical favor. And Lord, whatever this thing is, Lord, today I command it to leave right now in Jesus' name. Lord, turn every nightmare into a dream. No more interruptions. No more interruptions. No more sleep interruptions. No more thought interruptions. I heard the words of the song, Dance with me, O lover of my soul. I saw you dancing with the Lord. Your feet on his feet. When he moved, you moved. Lord, I thank you right now for just pouring into her. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now for this son. I saw the Lord putting keys in your hands, and the Lord says they're wisdom keys. Seven keys. And I felt like the Lord said, this is the season of the new direction. It's the season where the Lord says, I'm opening up a whole new thing for you. And heard the words, let it rain. The former rain and the latter rain together. This is the season where the reaper is overtaking the sower. For many years you've sown and you've sown and you've sown. But now you're about to reap. You're about to reap the rewards. You're about to reap the recompense of rewards. Heard the Lord say, not forgotten. Second Peter around chapter 3. Peter says that I've come by way of remembrance to stir you up by way of reminder. I've come to remind you of the things you've forgotten. The promises that you've forgotten. And I just felt like the Lord is about to give you like extra ram, extra ram of, of, of memory. Holy Spirit memory banks. Miracle memories. 
Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, he's trading things today. Lord, I don't know anything about you, but I saw in the days ahead that you're going to trade for fun. Like you're going to make investments for fun. It's like I'm going to get a word of knowledge and I'm going to invest in that today and I'm going to take it out three days later. Because God's giving you the heart of the giver. There's times where people have come, missionaries have come, you say, I wish I could do that. I wish I could give to that. And the Lord says, I've accounted it to you as righteousness, what you said you would have if you had it. I went ahead and just advanced it into your heavenly account. Father, I thank you right now that the days of lonely are gone. You're not an island, sir. There's a nation in you. Your whole Christian walk, you've been looking for your tribe. And God's brought you and connected you to this place because it has your DNA. Lord, I thank you for the eyes of the seer. Lord, he's a visionary. Lord, I thank you that over the next five years, you're going you're gonna to speak through his senses. Today, he's tasting and seeing that you're good. Lord, you're opening the ears of his understanding. Lord, he's going hel- to smell heaven's scent. Lord, he's going to touch, and what he touches, you'll touch. But Lord, I thank you for that 2020 vision to see what you see. I heard the Lord say to tell you, like he said to Amos, you see well. Now say what you see. Lord, right now, Lord, every hindrance, every delay, every hopelessness, Lord, I command it to go right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, the Redeemer, is right in front of you today. In Jesus' name. Jesus is going 80s on me, but I heard him singing, You are so beautiful to me. I saw the Lord just putting these, wasn't just a dozen roses, it was dozens of roses in your hands. I saw Psalm 8, verse 2, it says, You were created just a little bit lower than the angels, and God has crowned you with glory and with honor. There's a crown of glory and a crown of honor upon your head right now. Are two words connected together. Relevant revelation. Relevant revelation. There's been this cry on the inside of me, uh, in the inside of you, that's simply this. God, there must be more than this. Your whole life, you've helped everybody make their dream come true. I heard the Lord say to tell you, it's your time and your turn. We sang it this morning. I was definitely listening to it on the plane, but I won't be afraid. The wind and the waves know your name. Come on right now. It's a season to speak to the wind and the waves are going to stop. I heard these words. I just want to be happy. The Lord said, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you joy. 
joy unspeakable, full of glory. He's resetting some things right here. Come on, I heard the words from Frozen. Let it go, let it go. Come on, there's some things right now. Thoughts are changing. You're going to look in the mirror today. You're going to see something that you never saw before. When I first got saved and delivered, the Lord made me every day for a year. I looked in the mirror and said, you made it, you made it, you made it. Then he made me real uncomfortable. I looked in the mirror and every day for a year he made me say, you're amazing. Because I realized that after 365 days I finally started believing it. And I feel like just standing here saying, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. I'll keep saying it till you believe it. You're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. You are amazing to infinity and beyond. You're amazing. You amaze him. You cause the jaws of the Lord to drop. You release the wows of heaven. God's going to use you to win Muslim women. I saw people taking the burqas and the veils off. I saw you putting lipstick on them. God's going to give you a love for lipstick. Want to know why? Because his word's going to be on your lips. Honey's going to come off your lips. The shine, the light of God's going to come out of your mouth. Miracles are in your mouth. Would I just break right now every depressive, oppressive thing that would try to even sabotage your destiny? I break it off right now. Those of you left in this place, I heard the Lord say it's a new season called Carefree and Fearfree. Carefree and fear free. I heard the Lord say to tell you that you feel like you're out of your element. And it's kind of like you've been having to learn how to breathe and learn how to acclimate. And here's why the Lord says, I didn't take you lower, I took you higher. And it's like I saw you, the Lord taking you to this summit, to like a pike's peak in the spirit. I don't know, you've been to the mountains, if you like mountains, but I saw, I saw you on the mountain. Whenever God was going to talk to Peter, whenever God was going to talk to Abraham or Moses, he'd always say, come up here. And God's taking you higher. Holy Spirit summits, face-to-face encounters. Lord, I thank you right now that the season of frustration and agitation is coming to an end. You're going to encounter God in two major ways. I saw him waving a flag over you, Jehovah Nisi. 
your victory in defeated places. But here's a secret name for, for God for you. Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> He's about to sneak up on you. You're about to bump into him like never before. You came in this morning feeling like you're at the breaking point. But God's not have you at the breaking point. You're at the tipping point. He's filling you up to pour you out. The Lord says the season of silence is over. Go on right now. If that word you, you bears witness with you, just grab a hold of it. I was going through a rough season four months ago, five months ago. I was physically ill. I couldn't barely function. Three people close to me, my pastor, spiritual dad, a spiritual mom, and one of my major intercessors all went home to be with the Lord all in a matter of a couple months. And I could hear God for everybody else, but I couldn't hear God for me. So I inquired of the Lord. I said, Lord, what's up? And the Lord said, oh, it's easy. The teacher never talks when he's giving a test. I've already given you every information you need to know to pass. And I feel like the Lord said, the season of testing is over. And the season of graduation is upon you. Welcome to the day that everything changes. Welcome to the day that everything changes. I heard the Lord say to tell you that you're his leading lady. And he's about to give you the starring role. I saw like stars in the walk of fame and no longer were there people's names there. It just said Jesus. The Lord says you've been anointed to make his name famous. You've been anointed to make his praise glorious. And I feel like that this is going to be a season of breakout sessions with Jesus. Literally, I saw him bringing you into jam sessions. And I saw all these instruments around you. Don't tell anybody else, but I heard the Lord say to tell you that you're his favorite place. <laughs> and I just saw the Lord just invading every impossibility around you. I heard this on the depths of, in the depths of you. Lord, I just want to be normal. Physically, I just want to feel normal. Emotionally, I just want to feel normal. Spiritually, I just want to feel normal. And the Lord said, today is a day of redefinition. Because you're about to redefine normal. Lord, right now, every hindrance, every delay, every head game, heart game, Lord, I declare it's over and she wins. Lord, I thank you that she's going to begin to walk into every battle already victorious. I heard the Lord say to tell you that he's setting an ambush for the enemy. That before you even face what you're going to face this week, you're going to find the enemy already dead. I saw this on a sign. I think it's fitting for you. You're the kind of woman that when you get up, your feet hit the floor, the devil says, oh crap, she's awake. Lord, right now, Lord, I release that anointing of authority and power and breakthrough and release in Jesus' name.
Father, I thank you for the way that you love her. Lord says, I'm taking you off of the battlefield into your breakthrough. I'm taking you out of the spiritual war zone and I'm moving you into the spiritual glory zone. I saw the Lord just putting this flowing gown on you. It's not that you're even one who would really even like to wear dresses. But I saw the Lord putting new garments on you. Garments of praise. I put my hand on your shoulder and the Lord says, look at her. Isn't she pretty? Isn't she lovely? And I saw this glow, this glow of God getting ready to just rise and shine upon you. The Lord says that he's given you the Isaiah 60 anointing. Arise and shine for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And even people in darkness will come to the brightness of your shining. God's flipping the script for you. You're about to see things differently. From half empty to half full. And you're not going to live in empty anymore. You're not even going to live in half full or three quarters. Today, there's a fresh baptism of the Spirit coming on you, and you're going to live fully full. Come on, right now, every weightiness, every weariness is coming off of you. I'm going to count to three. You're going to feel like a wave just come over you, a tsunami of love. Here he comes. One, two, three. Wash over her right now, God. You're going to feel like it's raining on you for the rest of the day. Lord, lavish your love on her. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for this amazing, amazing daughter of yours. I can't imitate it well. If I could, I would do it in an Australian accent. Just heard the Lord say, awesome. This is what I saw. The Lord says, you see yourself here, but I see you already there. And I saw the Lord just taking you into the secret chambers of his heart. The Lord says that he created a dimension of his heart just for you. There's a place of abiding. There's a place of dwelling. And I heard the Lord say that he's giving the anointing to set people free. There's an anointing to break people out of, break the chains off of people. Saw chains breaking and names changing. I heard the Lord say you're a game changer. You're a world changer. A world shaker. And the enemy's been so afraid of you. Because he knows the damage you're going to do to his kingdom. And I just felt like the Lord said that the Lord is taking you deeper and deeper into the depths of his heart, the depths of his love. 
And nothing is off limits to you. I heard the Lord say to tell you that he gets you. That he understands you. And he likes your little quirks. He likes the way that you figure things out and you constantly thinking. It's like I saw your mind racing. Just constantly thinking. Even overthinking. It's like I saw you just wearing out erasers. You know the answer, but just in case, you, you're kind of rethinking it. I heard the Lord say, don't second guess yourself. Because I trust you. The Lord trusts you to make the right decisions. You can't be this close to him and miss him, honey. You can't be this close to God and miss him. But I thank you right now for the anointing of beyond measure. You're so valuable that you're worth Jesus dying for. There's an anointing on you to choose life because you're going to release life. Lord, show me women that won't have abortions because you're in their life. Lord, show me girls that won't commit suicide because you're in their life. You showed me people that won't go out and get drunk because you're in their life. The Lord's taking you out of the isolation chamber. Here's what I saw, honey. I saw you in e- like an eagle in a bird cage. Eagles weren't made to live in cages. Eagles weren't made to have wings clipped. Your wings are no longer clipped. You're about to soar. Eagles don't even fly. They soar. They catch the wind. You're stepping into a rite of passage today. I want you just to open your arms out wide. I give you permission to grow up, says the Lord. I give you permission to grow up. Honey, this is your Esther year. This is your year of preparation. Because you're about to catch the wind. You're no longer going to hang low to the ground. You're going to soar. Lord, I thank you right now. She's fearless in God. I may preach it later, but when you fear Almighty God, you never have to fear Almighty men. And right now, I'm telling you, you're going to carry the fear of the Lord. Fearless, careless, carefree, fear-free. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. Saw gold medals around you, son. The Lord said they're medals of honor. And I saw you just shooting up. The Lord said, I'm going to put them in a rapid growth spurt. You're going to feel like you're just tall and skinny, but then you're going to build that. I saw the muscles of heaven. Listen, I don't believe Jesus was a wimp. I believe he was ripped. I believe he had muscles. 
I believe he had a six-pack from being a carpenter. And I saw a full-grown Jesus on the inside of you today. And the Lord wants you to know there's no age in the Spirit. That you're already all grown up in God. And I saw the anointing of a pastor on your life. A pastor of people, but also a pastor of pastors. You're going to bring life to people. And I just really feel like the Lord says to tell you that you're an overachiever, not an overcomer. You're not just the overcomer. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's for all of us. It says you're also an overachiever. That you have exceeded his expectations. I don't know how tall people get in your family, but I saw you over six foot two. I saw you just standing up. And I heard the words when it was spoken over Jesus, and he grew in stature. And with the favor of God and the favor of man. And the Lord says that he's making you strong to carry the anointing. But all that I carry and more I release to him. Lord, let him see more dead people raised than I'll ever see. Let him see more sick people healed than I'll ever see. Lord, let him prophesy more and more accurately than I could ever see, hear, or prophesy. Lord, let him pastor greater than I can pastor. Lord, let him encounter Jesus the pastor. Lord, thank you for those medals of honor that you're putting around him today. Lord, he's honorable like Jabez is more honorable than the rest. So, Lord, I thank you right now for that honor upon his life. In Jesus' name. I heard the Lord say to tell you, you belong here. That I have given you a longing for belonging and you've been looking all your life for the place called home. Welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. You're not a misfit, you just fit. You're not a misfit, you just fit. This is your family. Honey, you're a pioneer of faith for your family. You're a pioneer of faith for your family. It begins with you. It's going to flow into them. (laughs) Father, I thank you for the way you love her. Lord, she's good enough, pretty enough, strong enough, smart enough. Heard the Lord say to tell you, don't sell yourself short. No more crumbs on the carpet. I heard the Lord call you your grace. It's kind of like royalty when you meet a duchess, your grace. And I just saw the robes of royalty coming on you today. The Lord's breaking off the spirit of poverty. But I thank you no more lack. 
No more crumbs on the carpet. For this is a season of communion. Staying at the table with you. You're going to eat from the hand of the Lord. Lord, right now I thank you for the physical healing that's also taking place in her life. Every pain is leaving right now. This thing in your guts, this thing in your digestive tract right now, God's (laughs) healing it completely. In Jesus' name. going to be a different kind of fire there. You're going to feel just the fire of the Lord. Jesus right now. Pain free. Worry free. Thank you, God. Heard a song from 1989. Don't worry. Be happy. Lord, right now. Lord, I thank you right now for just blasting her with blessing. Yes, Lord. Thank you for praising. In Jesus' name. Come on, how many feel the Holy Spirit in this place? So, Lord, we love you, Lord. Thanks for an amazing morning. If you're in process right now, listen, I believe this. That timing can be the great sifter of our dreams. And I feel like some of you have been in delay, and God wants to change that delay to celebrate into acceleration. Come on, it's a season of appointed time, acceptable year. On, if I'm talking to you, you've been stuck in process. I love these words out of I think it's Second Corinthians. That all the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen. But here's what it really means. God the Father made the promise. Jesus went to the cross and said yes by his blood. And by it we say amen. And right now, your promises aren't yes, no, and maybe. They're just yes. The Bible says that The Lord honors his word even above his name, and he's careful to watch over it day and night. He's careful to perform it. It gives me great relief because it means he'll perform his word so I don't have to. I believe it, he performs it. And I'm just telling you that God is about to move you into a season. I believe it's going to be called 52 Days of Miracles. I feel like over the next 52 days, God is just launching something. It's going to be one thing on the heel of another on another. It's just like a domino is just coming into place. For the last few weeks, I've been praying about coming here. The Lord's saying, this storehouse is about to overflow. I didn't know where I was going, but the Lord showed me that. Showed me this river and it showed me this huge barge and I saw this building before I got here today it was like I was I've never been here but I felt like I've been here when I saw it in the spirit it was on a barge it's kind of like going down the Mississippi River going into the Gulf 
going through the Panama Canal. It's not only a storehouse, but it's a distribution center for the glory of God, the gifts of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the greatness of God. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for this amazing pastor. Pastor, 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 pastor. And I just felt like the Lord said, I've anointed you to pastor people, but I've also put an apostolic call on your life that manifests more outside the church than in the church. You're a man of ideas, a man of solutions. And I just felt like the Lord said that this is going to be the season of even greater leverage than ever before. The Lord says he's given you the leader's leverage called lordship. I saw the scripture that says that I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And it's like I saw as far as I could see these hills. And the Lord says that I'm going to cause things to even drop into your lap. Deals that nobody else can get done, you're going to get done. Things that other people have started, they say, I can't make anything of it. Here you go. And when you take it, the favor of God's going to hit it. Like John, you're the one that he loves. But I saw this Joseph anointing on the inside of you. to distribute, to deliver, to dream, to design, to display, to demonstrate. Nicodemuses are coming to you. I saw Nicodemuses in the marketplace coming to you. Show me the secret, they'll say, and you'll say the secret is relationship. And you'll introduce him to Jesus, the businessman. <laughs> Jesus is the greatest businessman that ever lived. There's fresh fire coming on you today. You've been one who stayed in your lane. But I saw the Lord causing you now to just drive down the center of the road. Because it's a season of double. Double time, double portion. Double, double, double. Lord, right now, Lord, I thank you that he was created for moments like this morning. And the things he's fought in the spirit, his children will never have to fight in the flesh. Lord, things that he's had to press through, his children will never have to press through. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, he's not just a pastor in your house. He's not just an apostolic leader in the marketplace. But he's a dad in Dallas. Dallas doesn't need any more preachers. Dallas doesn't need any more professional preachers. Doesn't need any more great exhorters. Dallas needs fathers. Texas needs fathers.
America needs fathers. The church needs fathers. And this morning when I came in, the Lord said, there's a father. Not just in the natural, but in the spirit. But I thank you for the protection that comes when he's around. Or for the provision that comes when he's around. In Jesus' name. If some would try to tell you to slow down, I say speed up. (laughs) I felt like the Lord said that there's an anointing coming upon you that's going to really begin to break things open. I just heard the Lord say that, daughter, I'm about to prove myself to you and through you like never before. And I heard the Lord say, instantaneous and spontaneous. You're just going to step in and instantaneously and spontaneously, the glory is going to come. There's new manifestations that God's about to release through you. And I heard the Lord say, all the limits are coming off. You were never designed to live in a box. I don't say it lightly. I don't know if I've ever said it just like this. But you're not just a prophet, but I saw all five of the fivefold ministry gifts on the inside of you. I saw the expressions of the offices of God. Because there's a builder strategist in you. There's a prophetic visionary in you. There's one that brings correction and direction in you. There's a soul winner in you. In fact, you're in a stage where you'd rather prophesy to the lost. That evangelist thing on the inside. And you pastor people differently. You pastor them with presence, not with principles. And that teaching gift's about to explode. <laughs> I saw this beautiful stained glass window being, being put together. I saw this beautiful picture, this beautiful story being told in the picture. But it was all out of these scattered pieces. And I feel like in teaching, you're going to be able to pull all the pieces together. People won't be hearing it, but they're going to feel like they're living it. I heard the Lord say, you've lived, and most people don't know that you've lived this way and lived where I'm about to say that you live. But you live on the altar of sacrifice. You were on your way to six figures in the marketplace. But you took that dream, you took that plan, and you put it in the lap of God. And I heard the Lord say, with interest. And the Lord says there'll never be lack in this house. But I also heard the Lord say to tell you, the 
two of you together. Thanks for the help, but I've got this. Because <laughs> if there's been shortage, you just covered it. And I'm just telling you right now, there's no more lack in the storehouse. It's the overflowing storehouse of heaven. Lord, I thank you for direct deposits from heaven to earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Lord, I thank you for everybody in process right now. Lord, I think you're going to take us from process to presence. From presence into fruition. I love the words, and it shall come to pass, but I really love, and it came to pass. And the testimony of this house is going to be, and it came to pass. You know you're in a good place when the hardest thing you've got to do is try to find a place to stop. So, Lord, right now, Lord, I thank you the meeting's not ending. We're just going to take it with us. And, Lord, right now, I thank you right now for releasing your presence on everybody's process. Lord, I release acceleration. Lord, I believe it's Isaiah 46 that you said that the word of the Lord runs swiftly. So, Lord, I thank you for the things that are about to swiftly come. Lord, I thank you for the sound of the suddenlies coming to the storehouse. Lord, every place and person within the sound of my voice this morning or now this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.